Coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society, we throw our concerns out the window. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. We've got a good show for you today. We are going to be talking about the news from the week, including Nintendo Repair Center's opening back up, Nature is Healing, and then on Thursday, we're going to rank the Nintendo RPG heroes. But Mark, in the meantime, how you doing? I'm doing good. Um, Patrick, so one of the things I've been thinking about a lot recently is mm. do you think that this whole stay-at-home situation is an opportunity for us to reinvent ourselves? Is this like the summer vacation that you don't get as adults, where like when we come back to hanging out with people, that it'll be like the first day of school where we can be whatever we want, right? Sure, because I, well, because there there are there are some people that like you do still see uh, uh, like a fairly regular basis, right? Like I still see you twice right. a week. Yes. Um. Uh. But there are other people that I would normally interface with that I just have not seen now in months. Uh. Can I just be a different person when they see me? And like, what is is the idea that people just be like, "Oh, all right, cool," or that like, like what what do you want the reaction to be? Well, I don't know. Um. That's a good question. Like, would I want people to be like, "I guess Mark was always super slick." Or yeah. what I want or somebody do you want to, be to be like, like oh, he took the opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess either one is fine, right? Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess the reaction you really don't want is someone uh, being like, hey, that's not you. Stop that. <laughs> unless, unless they see something about it that you don't and they're correct and you should not be <laughs> pretending to be something you're not. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a really good point because you don't have, you don't really have a chance to like, you know, soft open your new look. No. So what if it's horrible? No, it's, yeah. Well, it, let, let me ask you, is there something that you are attempting? Because we've, we've talked before about like hair, facial hair in particular. Um, is there something that you are contemplating changing about yourself? No, not really. But it was just like, huh? Okay, look, because like, I feel like whatever you show up to the first day of work as, is like yeah. what you are, right? And if you wear That's anything you else yeah. ever, somebody will mm -hmm. mention it. And it's like, well, actually, is this an opportunity for me to go back to work and like start tucking in my shirt? Like, will people well, have forgotten uh, okay. that I never tucked it in? Let's not go nuts. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're not going to start tucking in shirts, Mark. <laughs> Speaking of tucked in shirts, my copy of Sonic Forces, would you like to borrow it? Someday maybe you can um, when I want to go into a post office. Uh, all you got to do is get on the Sonic Forces Borrowing Program mailing list by emailing us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com and giving us a mailing address that you can send it uh, to me. To, no, that I can send it to you. Look, everything's topsy-turvy right now. No one knows what's going on. Uh, the program is experiencing a hiatus at the moment. Someday it will return, right? When it does, 
uh, I will contact who is next on the list and send them my copy of this game to play for as long as they want, and then they can send it back. Just a little reminder that the game is, of course, on sale on the eShop. Uh, the game is 10 bucks, which is about how much it costs to send it to you and then give you the postage to send it back <laughs> to me. But I'm not telling you what to do. If you want to borrow my copy of the game, you are welcome to it. And of course, thank you to everybody who has been adding us as friends on Switch. It's, uh, you know, I think at this point, Patrick, we decided we're pushing 200 and we would love to break yeah. that like 200 friend barrier. Yeah. And it's super easy to do. All you got to do is look in the description of any episode and to any episode of this show and you will see our friend codes and you can add us. We accept every single friend request. But that shouldn't make you a... feel less special. No, absolutely not. <laughs> Look, I know that we're like, yeah, I got 200 friends. We want more. <laughs> we are insatiable. So keep, keep it coming. Every single one makes me happy. Um, Mark, we got an, uh, a question emailed to us from Jason. Jason writes, hey, guys, uh, I thought asking a couple Californians would be my best bet in answering this question. Do you have any tips for playing the Switch outside in the sun? If I could work on my tan and play some games at the same time, life would be pretty much perfect. Thanks. Keep up the awesome content. Jason. Jason, I'm a terrible Californian to ask this to. Um, I've never tried to play my Switch outside. Uh, yeah, it is tough. I've tried. I've. I don't know that I've ever tried to do it like just outside. Outside, I've done on like buses and uh, trains. And if that that train is outside and it is a sunny day, um, it's kind of a wash, right? Like I turn the brightness all the way up. That's, so that's one thing. Turn the brightness all the way up. Um, it'll suck your battery dry, but like it, you need to. Um, and then like I think you gotta just like find a shady spot for that thing to be. Maybe that means like a uh, uh, an umbrella in the sand or something along those lines. But really, I don't. I I don't think there's a a, a good workaround for this. Yeah, I don't. I don't think so either. I wish I had better uh, news, Jason. Yeah, but I mean, hey, you chose to ask the two pastiest Californians. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's the answer you get. All right, uh, Mark, let's get into what we've been playing this week. After talking about it a little bit, I went back and dug into Mario and Luigi Bowser's Inside Story. I have run my 3DS battery to the flashing red light twice this last week. Uh, so that means I probably put in, I don't know, like six or seven hours of uh, Mario and Luigi Bowser's Inside Story. Um, and it is a fine, cute, fun game. <laughs> I'm glad the uh, quality of animation and like the character, the character redesigns on this thing. Um, that I'm, I'm playing the, the 3DS version um that came out just a couple years ago uh and like everything looks great and i i'm frequently like um hit by how good uh and how expressive the characters are um and i've just been having a, a super fun time and especially as we're talking about um rpg heroes um you know i i made uh briefly made the case that maybe bowser could be considered the protagonist of bowser's inside story um i think that more and more he is a monster and he's driven by uh, a, a a lust for power and just good old-fashioned gluttony but i love him and playing as ba like playing as bowser gives you all the coolest moments in that game um 
there is a point in the game where you turn your 3ds sideways and hold it in book mode um and he's like boxing a robotic castle it's awesome you know we were talking last week about um uh origami king the new paper mario game that's coming out in july and with all the um you know like uh coverage around the reveal of that game people have been talking about the mario and luigi series and how it is like similar in tone like a lot of the stuff that people like about paper mario is in the mario and luigi series and it made me like interested in digging out my 3ds and playing dream team which you know came with my like year of luigi 3ds xl when i bought it way back in the day and um yeah, because I, I feel kind of silly, like, wanting, you know, like, a new Paper Mario game and having, like, a very similar series potentially just, like, out there available to me. Yeah, yeah, and, like, a couple of them, too, right? Because, uh, like, on, on the 3DS alone, um, there's Dream Team, there's uh, Paper Jam, which is the crossover with uh, Paper Mario, um, there's Bowser's Inside Story, the remake, and the Superstar Saga uh, remake. Uh, and if you wanted to go nuts, you could grab Partners in Time on the DS and play it on your 3DS, uh, which I had an idle curiosity about. Was like, oh, could I do that? Would it be fun to like uh, complete the collection here? Um, th- DS carts of Partners in Time will run you about a hundred dollars oh at this point gosh. in time. Yeah, I guess they are hard to come by. <laughs> Um, do you think you'll, uh, you'll, uh, take the leap and like jump into dream team? Probably not. (laughs) Probably not. uh, Probably not. But like, boy, would it be a good idea if I did? Mm. Um, I'll tell you what is also a good idea, uh, and has just been put on your switch by magic. Um, the, uh, among the SNES switch online games that were new last week, um, is a game called panel to pawn, which had never been released, um, in North America before. Um, and it is, uh, basically just Tetris attack, um, where, uh, there are tiles and they like scroll up. So you get like new tiles in the bottom and all you can do are, uh, like flip the position of two horizontal tiles and you're trying to match, um, three in a row and then they, uh, they go away. Um, I love this game. I started playing it uh, a ton yesterday, um, and, uh, have, have gotten more into it today. Um, and it's just super fun and it's there. It's just, it's just sitting there. Um, the uh you know so many of the games that they add to these libraries uh the nes switch online the snes switch online are like the forgettable ones right like they start with the heavy hitters and then there's like some kind of garbage that goes on later um this is not that this is a genuinely like good game that is totally worth your time uh and you didn't have an opportunity to play it before unless you lived in japan now, you've been doing some house cleaning of the NES and SNES Switch Online like home screens, right? Yes. So, the, and I posed this question on Twitter. How do you organize your NES Switch Online library? Do you? Yeah, I don't right now. It's a complete mess. And, but then after like seeing how you organize yours, I feel so inspired. Mm-hmm. It's like, yes, like this makes sense. It's like somebody Marie Kondoed, you know, like my world. Because there's so much and every single like 
every single game is a separate icon. Every SP version of a game is a separate icon. Um, and then there are a ton of games that you're just never going to play. So, like, I I made the decision to put the uh, Mario 1, Mario 2, Mario 3 right at the top. And just they're the only things on the line, which means that all the icons are huge. The fewer the fewer games you put on an, indiv an individual line, the bigger their images are, right? Because they don't have to share as much space. So Mario 1, 2, 3, perfect, right? Um, next line is like adventure games, right? So I got like Zelda 1, Zelda 2, um, uh, I think Star Tropics is on there, um, Metroid, and something else. Um, but like just kind of went through and like made categories and games that were more important to me, I put in a row with only like four other games um and then i used uh the lost levels and the versus excite bike which are in those like weird um famicom box art um like their icons are wider um whatever i used just the two of them as sort of a line break so that you have this big visual divide between the games i'm actually gonna play and like all the garbage like i'm never gonna play volleyball <laughs> you know like it's just it's just never gonna happen um or Super Spike V-Ball, I think is the name of the game. Uh, volleyball, I put up with the rest of the the black box games. They're all, like, uh, clustered together. Um, but it felt really good to, like, impose some order on that madness. Because by default, it just puts the new ones in a new row together at the top. So you've got all of these games, which I've already said, are largely trash at the top. Yeah, no, I, I really like this. And the thing I like about it is that, like, it, um, using your system right? The Patrick Eller's organization system, it still yes. leaves a DM. lot of room for like improvisation, right? Like your yes. lines of garbage are going to be different from everybody else's lines of garbage. Um, mm -hmm. But the fact that like there is a line of garbage, it's like a thin line of garbage that is just separating the, those home screens from like complete chaos. Yeah. So uh, if you want to check out what I did, you can check it out. I, I have it up on my Twitter at Patrick underscore Ellers. Um, Mark, what, what, what about you? What have you been playing? Well, so I picked up Monster Prom. Um, I had pre-ordered it, and then uh, it unlocked, like, last Thursday. And uh, I spent some time this past weekend playing it. Um, I, You were 100% right. Like, this game is so much fun. Um, yeah. it, do it does have online. Uh, I have just been playing it by myself, which has been completely fun. Um, one of the things that surprised me is that uh, the writing is really good, but it's also, I at least anyways, am finding it very challenging to like successfully woo one of the monsters because like yes there are at the beginning of like the three week period or six week period, if depending if you're playing like a short round or a full one, um, you know it's like sometimes it's a lot of times it's very obvious which one you should choose in order to like win points with that person. But then yeah. sometimes you're like, I have absolutely no idea which one is like the correct answer here. And you choose it and it turns out not to be, or like you get to the end and I guess I won't like spoil specific endings, but you're like, huh, like that didn't exactly work out the way I thought it was going to, even though I did like everything that like I should have in order to like get them to go to the prom yeah. with me. Um, yeah, I'm finding it to be a lot of fun. Although the first couple of rounds, or the first couple of like games, I did like one long one, then just shorter ones. And I feel like I needed a couple of them under my belt before I like really felt comfortable with like understanding because it's a fairly simple game, but like it appears to be mechanics. a simple game. Yeah, yeah. 
it appears to be simple, but there is like a whole stats based thing happening under it um, where it also even like shows you the stats. But like, um, I think a lot of the you making choices about like how you're going to uh, like woo someone or approach a problem, um, it'll check then against your, uh, your stat that would be like related to that action. And if your stat is too low, then you fail at your, at doing it. So sometimes something that seems like the right choice, sometimes you'll be presented with two right choices. And if you don't have high enough stats to support either choice, um, then you fail no matter what. Yeah, it took me a, like three or four times before I finally got one time where I got like a semi-happy ending. I don't think I've gotten like a full straight up just like, yep, you're going to the prom, everything's great type ending yet. Um, the last time I played, I played with uh, previous guests, uh, Kelly Nugent and Ryan Mogi, um, and uh, Kelly successfully took uh, her... Uh, uh, monster friend to the prom and Ryan and I did not uh, we got like dumped hard and I was romancing the uh, the robot man the the computer who is a man um, and I even met his parents and like that went well and he still didn't want to go with me to the prom <laughs> I very feel like disappointing a, yeah I feel like a lot of it comes down to that like crucial like final uh, date before you go yeah. If you even get that far, because sometimes, you know, like, things go horribly wrong earlier than that. But yeah, that's been a lot of fun. Um, also, uh, you mentioned that you pre-ordered uh, Monster Prom. I would like to just have it now on the record that I have also done the same with Xenoblade, the definitive edition. So uh, when that game pops on Friday, I'm going to jump into it. I'm going to give it a real try. Uh, and we'll see if this is the, the Xenoblade game that sticks for me. I've also been playing uh, Super Mario Bros. U Deluxe. Um, I know that I've like talked about this game for the past couple of weeks, but the more time that I put into it and like I'm going pretty slow because I'm trying to get all three coins in every single level and I just realized that I'd been missing like secret exits and so there were like yeah. coins that I had to like go back and get um man like I am really really impressed with this game like I was not expecting to enjoy it as much as I have but uh you know like if you're just trying to get through the levels it is it's fairly simple but like trying to get all three coins some of them are really challenging yeah yeah and there's just yeah it, it is definitely a game that has more uh like it appears very shallow right um and then there's just like a lot more uh as as you scrape away at it it just reveals so much more um we have a question sort of super, uh, new super mario's you uh uh adjacent um from colin colin writes uh dear patrick and mark i accidentally deleted my save file of new super mario brothers u i am in a serious funk my birthday is just around the corner and i need, and I need something to play instead of new super mario brothers u do you have any ideas for games i should ask for that make people just feel good playing them uh mark do you have any anything come to mind right away games that just feel good to play Hmm. Uh, I can't think of anything offhand, which is so weird. Um, I'm gonna say Tropical Freeze, uh, okay. Donkey Kong Country, Tropical Freeze. Um, it has a, obviously more challenging. Uh, it is a more challenging platformer than New Super Mario Bros. U. But if you want to uh, take the game at a little bit easier pace, uh, the Switch version does have Funky Mode. Uh, so you can play as Funky Kong and sort of just like skate through the levels um, a little bit more easily. Uh, 
Do you know what I'm I'm gonna recommend? Uh, I've been actually thinking about it because I was going through like all the games that I have on my Switch and um, was like, you know, removing some of them to make room on my SD card. And one of them that I like was way down, but also I think happens to be on sale with Sonic Forces is Sonic Mania. Um, if you yeah. have not, Colin, if you haven't played Sonic Mania before, even if you're son- not a Sonic the Hedgehog fan, because I had never really played one of these games before Sonic Mania. Like that, it was such a like revelation to me. Um, I really, really liked Sonic Mania, and I was like, "Yeah, I should keep this on my Switch because I love the idea of just being able to go back to it and play." Like the music is awesome, the levels are really fun. There's a couple of them that you're like, "Oh boy, this is a little bit of a bummer," but you can usually get through it pretty easily. Um, I had trouble with like the boss battles, but uh, I think they fixed with some of the updates, like the save points. So it's less, um, it's a little bit more forgiving than it was when it originally released. Like, uh, yeah, I, that's a game that's definitely worth spending time with if you haven't already. Um, also, you know, th- we just talked about uh, a bunch of Super Nintendo games that are available on your Switch um, that are uh, super fun. I, I would say if you just give yourself permission to find it fun, play Star Fox. Um, you know, you can, that is a great way to spend 45 minutes at a shot um, and just have fun. Um, also, uh, Yoshi's Crafted World, a totally underrated game uh, for, for the Switch and super fun to play with a second person there. Um, not super challenging, uh, but, you know, r- uh, just like uh, New Super Mario Bros. U, reveals more as you, like, decide to take the game seriously and, like, find everything in every level. Yeah, I mean, also going way back, um, I rec- I totally recommend Golf Story. If like it's like a really cute 16-bit looking golf RPG that again I have no interest in golf games, but the writing is super fun. Um, it's uh, it's almost like a puzzle game a little bit. Like I enjoyed that one a, lo- a lot. Also, uh, Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney. Actually, I have lots of recommendations for chill games. I guess. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and if you're into Picross, like pick up that Murder by Numbers. Uh, you know it'll uh, when you want to just like do a bunch of uh, Picross t- uh, puzzles, they're there for you. When you want to do the like more uh, murder mystery aspect of it, you can spend some time on that. Um, does it, we just did like ten good recommendations? <laughs> so uh, good luck, Colin. Sorry that you're bummed, and happy birthday. Um, Mark, one last thing to touch on before we move out of what we've been playing this week. Sarah, my girlfriend, has now discovered properly Animal Crossing New Horizons. Which I'm very excited for because I thought that this would be a game that she would really like. Um, yeah, but it seemed like she only it dabbled is. with it in the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, in, in the beginning, which, you know, was maybe like five or six days in for me, um, she started it up and, you know, got her tent and like got to the island um, and was like, okay, what now? And I'm like, whatever you want. And she was like, nah. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, since since the game came out, I have been sending her things um, just all the time. You know, uh, whenever I see something in the store that I don't uh, want, but I have the bells and it's like a big dumb thing, I send it to her. Um, so uh, the, the, I, the other day, I guess on Saturday, I was like, you know, I've been sending you stuff like it, you should really go and uh, open your mailbox. So she went in, still a tent, right? There's There's been a tent sitting on <laughs> on my island, which I now have to refer to as our island, of course. Um, and uh, yeah, that 
that's sort of uh, started something um, pretty intense. And she's been uh, playing like three to four hours a day uh, every day since. It's, you know, nice long weekend. So like she's had the time to do it. Um, and it's just been cool to see someone else uh, like discovering it in real time. The island is obviously already done. Um, and like there are neighbors there already. But like, I forget what it's like to not have all of the DIY recipes to do all the things that you need to do right away. Um, and all that kind of stuff. It's just, it's, it's cool to see her experiencing all of that. Yeah. I'm curious because the Island is so like refined at this point, like what is she doing in the game? Well, so I have never progressed past the point of three stars. Um, partially because, uh, I don't, really like just like scattering stuff all over the island mm -hmm. uh, and also because like i like having trees um but she's been uh, like decorating uh individual areas of the island obviously decorating her house and paying off the loans um and then just like building the relationships with the with the villagers um she's basically just playing it like a regular animal crossing game that isn't new horizons right um we've also been spending a little bit of time playing it together so you know where you can call uh, another resident to uh, play with you um, and it basically means that whoever is the leader is basically the person who's like in charge of what's happening the other person can only use their um, use their items and pick stuff up but anything that you pick up just goes right to the to the recycle bin um, but changing who is the leader is super easy the person who's the leader just shakes their controller and then the other person pushes a and then like it just reverses so like she'll be playing and i'm like oh i wanted to like hop in and do something she'll like quick add me i'll you know we'll run around together for a little while i'll help her chop wood or whatever uh, and then make me the leader i'll go do my thing and then make her the leader and then just like back her up it's uh i i have not heard anyone really speak highly of the local multiplayer experience um but considering what Animal Crossing is, like, it's actually really good. That's great. I'm I'm really glad that she's, like, discovered it and is enjoying it. Yeah, me too. If for no other reason than I was sick of having a tent on my <laughs> island. <laughs> Everyone else is living in houses. Um, all right. That's what we've been playing this week. Let's get into the new releases and what we might be playing next week. Today, May 26th, Mortal Kombat 11 Aftermath DLC is released. Uh, this is the one that includes RoboCop. Yeah. Uh, also, and a bunch of new, like, story modes. <laughs> right, right, too. right, right. That's right. actually probably the more important it's part. It's not just RoboCop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Minecraft Dungeons is released on the Switch eShop. Um, on Thursday, May 28th, uh, Shantae and the Seven Sirens is released. I, I was thinking about this. Uh, I've never heard this pronounced. I've always said it, Shantae. But do you think it's Shanty or Shantae, like Sea Shanty? Like, is it a pun? Mm, it may be a pun, but she's a genie, right? Right. So, like, why would it be related to sea shanties? <laughs> I, don't, I understand. Actually, that's I understand this one is the seven sirens. So, question. like, seven, seven uh, implies seas, as does sirens. But the previous ones, yeah, half genie I, hero. Yeah, there might be one that's, like, based around pirates. I don't know why I associate this with, like, seafaring. I've never played this series. I have no idea. Um, and then on Friday, of course, Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition uh, unlocks on Patrick Switch. 
Um, but also and available for everyone else to <laughs> yeah, purchase as well. Right, that's right. That's right. And then uh, also it's a um, two gay two K extravaganza, Borderlands Legendary Collection, and all of the individual Borderland games are available for purchase either in the collection or individually. Bioshock the Collection um, is released and also the games individually on the eShop. Uh, the physical version of that, by the way, requires 31 gigabyte download. So, um, which is enormous. I was uh, clearing up my uh, my SD card to get Xenoblade on there. Um, and that's obviously the whole game because I'm just downloading it. And I only needed 12 gigabytes. So the information not on the Bioshock collection is like three times the size of the entirety of Xenoblade. And then the XCOM 2 collection, also from 2K Games, is uh, released on Friday. Um, I So I think I'm not going to get Xenoblade. Um, I think I'm going to get Bioshock, like the collection, but maybe not at launch. I think I might wait for a sale because next week... I, I was looking at like the releases coming up, and there's actually like quite a bit that I want to get. Like in June, like a week from Friday, um, the Outer Worlds is released on Switch, and I want to pick yeah. that up. And then I'm assuming that's going to like occupy me for those four weeks or five weeks between um, that game releasing and then the or- Origami King released in July. And then there's like some other smaller things that I want to pick up. So. It feels like to me, especially with how how many gigabytes it's apparently going to take for me to get it, and I know that I wouldn't play it immediately. I want to get the Bioshock collection, but I think I'll probably wait till it goes on sale. Um, is there uh, so you 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 are interested in playing all of them equally, or is there like one in the series that you're more like? Would that be a solution for you? Is just get one of them? Yeah, the, I don't know. It's like when I bought like Skyrim for Switch. It's uh, like I don't even know that I intend to ever play them, but I like the idea right. of having them. Yeah, I mean, I think that will end up being me with Xenoblade. <laughs> <laughs> um, and just a a point of clarification. I I know this was implied in what you said. Um, but the Borderlands Legendary Collection does not uh is is Borderlands Borderlands Two Borderlands a pre sequel uh and I. Yeah, wait, hold on, hold on. Yeah, Borderlands, Borderlands 2, uh, and then the the pre-sequel. Um, sorry, there are a lot of just like colons in, in the <laughs> list of games that, that are listed here. Um, so not not Borderlands 3, if that is a uh, right. a, yeah. a, a game that, that you are interested in or excited about because you heard about it somewhere else. Um, not available on Switch, not part of this collection. Uh, so just heads up on that. Okay, um, Mark, are you ready to get out of this segment? Now it's time for a regular segment on our show. It's time for 433. In 1952, American composer John Cage wrote a piece called 433, wherein a performer or group of performers didn't play their instruments for 4 minutes and 33 seconds. For the purposes of this show, our instruments are talking about Nintendo. So, for the duration of one performance, 433, Mark and I will talk about something not at all Nintendo-related, thus fulfilling the contract of the piece. Mark, you've been watching The Simpsons a lot lately. So we are going to talk about our favorite Simpsons episodes. Do you have a go-to favorite? When someone says favorite Simpsons episode, do you have one? Mm, no, I don't really have like one specific one that stands out. Because every time I like start thinking about it, it's like kind of choosing my favorite type of cereal. It's like, but I like 
them for so many different reasons. Um, what? It's cereal. You like it for one reason. It's easy. I guess it's two reasons. It's easy and it tastes good. <laughs> but it's they all taste good in so many different ways. Uh, I really like Homer Ooh, at the ba- Homer at bat. Homer at the bat. Mm-hmm. That is probably like one of my go-to ones. But it is, but it is like so gimmicky, right? Like it's not yeah. like your normal like run-of-the-mill Simpsons episode. Um, that is interesting. Uh, because one of my, my my favorite episode, my go-to favorite episode, is also a sports episode. Um, but I do not consider you and I to be big sportos, and me least of which. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. Definitely not like baseball or like obscure baseball history. Uh, right. <laughs> and like I recognize a lot of the names of the players. Um, you know, uh, but at this point, what it's like thirty years old, maybe maybe like twenty-five years old. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, yes, it, it's basically like a, cause I, I think that's a season three episode, right? Or four. Is, is it that early? Yeah. Really it might early. be like, yeah, it's pretty early. Um, my, my favorite, and I understand you are not, you don't really care for Lisa episodes, but my favorite episode is Lisa on ice. It is the one where Lisa and Bart are both, uh, doing peewee hockey. Um, and Le- Lisa's doing it because she doesn't want to fail gym class. Mm-hmm. Um, that uh that like sibling moment at the end where they decide not to like face off against each other um and they do like the quick little like flashes of them being yeah. nice to each other um and uh when lisa loses her her little bit of ice cream off her ice cream cone and bart like moves <laughs> a scoop of ice cream from his to hers uh gets me every time i love it dearly um do you have other other runner ups of like your favorite episodes? Well, uh, I I want to talk about uh, Lisa on Ice because I really like I do really like that episode and I think it's like um, I haven't watched a lot of modern Simpsons and with all of it being on Disney Plus, I keep talking about like oh maybe I'll just like kind of slowly work my way through the entire thing. But, it's tough, <laughs> uh, but one of the things that I really like, I feel like they nailed in uh, early Simpsons episodes and. You know, like, I'm in season eight right now, and occasionally they're still hitting those highs. Um, but, like, they, like, Homer's really stupid, but, like, the characters, like, they love each other. And, like, yeah. you can tell that, like, the show takes that relationship seriously at that point. And I feel like that's really what makes, like, The Simpsons stand out when it's at its best. Yeah, 100%. There, there is a, it's either, like, a season 10 or 11. There's a, an episode where Homer starts, like, a a daycare thing um and uh there there's a joke where like he's being honored um and uh there's like a video playing and Bart and Lisa have spliced in uh footage of him being like a negligent monster and one of the things one of the jokes uh is uh he's it's Homer chasing Bart with like a mace and he's spinning it around and he goes I'll mace you good and Homer goes that's taken completely out of context which is funny, but it's also like to uh, to like grapple with the reality that Homer is chasing his son <laughs> with medieval weaponry, threatening to hit him with it is tough. It's tough. Um, I really like Bart gets famous. Mm, yep, yeah, Bart gets famous is great. Uh, it, I didn't it, do it. Yeah, any of the um. Oh man, what is that guy's name? John Swartz something Schwartz Welder. Yeah, yeah yeah pretty much any episode he has written I really like yeah the Schwartz Welder episodes are all good and they all have like a certain like 
uh, sort of chaotic energy to them where it's just like you don't really have a handle. Oh! Well, I guess we'll never know. Um, we were accompanied today by the GVSU New Music Ensemble. All right, Mark, let's get into the news. So after being closed for a while, Nintendo has started to reopen some of their repair centers throughout North America. Um, they were closed, of course, due to COVID-19. So for a long while, all repair requests were put on hold, including those, uh, you know, with dealing with Joy-Con drift, which, Patrick, I understand that you tracked down a pair of Joy-Con and you didn't have to pay like uh, an exorbitant overhead fee for it. So this is all true. Um, I, I was complaining on this show maybe a week or two ago um, that my Joy-Con, uh, the one of them, was had, has been experiencing drift for like, I don't know, eight or nine months at this point. Um, and then the, uh, the gyroscope in the other one uh, stopped working, stopped reading in entirely. Um, so I uh, went on... Uh, GameStop's website, and they had the set of orange and purple ones um, at uh, like normal market price. And uh, I have been to their website before and not seen that available. So I was like, uh, I'm just gonna see if this works, um, because you know we're we're in an age now where just because you place an order for something online doesn't mean you're actually gonna get it. Um, and then they were like, Yep, uh, you know be shipping it by the end of the week and i was like all right well we'll see um, yeah and, and then they showed up <laughs> yeah and based on the pictures uh that's a good looking pair of joy con i'm curious if thank you that was like a color that you were interested in or was it just what was available mark it's just what was available <laughs> um but i i also uh i would have accepted just the gray joy con because that's what i have normally is just the the gray um and i would have accepted that if that's what was available um but i was sort of hoping i could get uh, colors. Um, and I guess I hadn't really put much thought into what colors I would want. Um, and even now, like, you know, uh, the yellow would be fun. The Splatoon colors would be fun. The Mario red um, would be really cool. Um, but I think that's it. I think like the Mario red would probably just be like my, my preferred. Um, but and really any color scheme is uh, kind of exciting. Yeah, I had just the when I first bought my Switch, I had the regular gray one. And I thought that's what I would want. And then when I had to get a new Joy-Con, um, I got like the neon green and neon like pink um, ones. And yeah. having like, I, I, speaking of the Simpsons, I totally felt like Marge Simpson when I got those. Because I was like, oh, this is fun. What a like nice like dollop of fun on my Switch. Yeah. Um. It's it's also um. Obviously, I haven't used new Joy Cons since I bought my Switch the originally. Um. So it's neat to just hold Joy Con that aren't covered in hand grease. <laughs> uh, there is something about like the almost like stiffness of a new controller where you're like, oh yeah. right, like the the joysticks and the buttons like aren't always weren't always like this loose. Yes. Yeah, and in particular, the the like lock that holds them either onto the switch or onto the um, Joy-Con grip. Um, I have to like really push the button um, to release them before sliding it out. My old Joy-Cons, I can just like pull up a little bit harder than normal, <laughs> and they just come right out. I actually can't. I can, so I can't tell if it's just like this is how my switch has always been, 
but or just like with time and the Joy-Con like rails getting worn down, like it's become a little bit worse. But last night I was playing a uh, new Super Mario Brothers U Deluxe in bed, and um, you know, like Clement was falling asleep, and it it was like it sounded so, uh like it creaking like the creaking of the, like the joy con <laughs> when you're playing it in Amazing. handheld mode uh it's like living in a haunted house you're like this can't possibly like be right um but if you're going to send in your joy con for any or anything at all for repair at nintendo's repair shops definitely check out the faq on nintendo supports website uh for more information and any like delays that you should expect um, hardware on route to Nintendo or currently at the repair center will, of course, be given priority. And um, repair tickets and the shipping labels associated with them remain active for 180 days. So if you had requested a repair um, before like all hell broke loose, uh, there's a good chance that your shipping label and all that is still like um, valid. And uh, for Joy-Con repairs, it is uh, it happens frequently enough that you can like uh, apply for the thing just online. Um, again, go to the Nintendo Support website, um, and then there's just a you don't even have to interface with real human being. I, I checked it out today um, because I was like, look, I just got new Joy Cons, but if I could have two sets of functional Joy Cons, uh, forget about it. <laughs> uh, Lego revealed some new sets for use with the Lego Super Mario. Um, but instead of levels, the new sets represent power-ups. Uh, which is an interesting little wrinkle um, that now, like, and it stands to reason that they wouldn't show us everything when they reveal the thing. Um, but it's, uh, I don't know, it feels a little gross to me that each one of these sets is uh, another 10 bucks. Um, it, like, and they're selling four of them. Um, so, like, I don't know. It just it the whole thing adds up real fast. Yeah, totally. Um, I also think it's interesting the ones that they've chosen. So uh, yeah. you get Builder Mario up from like representing Super Mario Maker Two, Cat Mario representing Super Mario 3D World, Propeller Hat Mario representing New Super Mario Brothers, which I guess makes sense. I don't really know. The only other one I could think you might do is the um, Squirrel Suit. Oh, from from New Super Mario? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then um, Fire Mar- Mario, not necessarily repping a specific franchise because uh, it's everywhere. Yeah. Um, I think it's a little weird that there's no um, Tanuki tail um, and, and like e- ears on the hat. Like that's, um, that seems like such an iconic mario that like it's weird that it's not in this lineup but the propeller hat is yeah like but i actually i wonder if like fire mario is kind of and well okay first i was gonna say that maybe um tanuki mario is kind of like retro and they're just letting fire mario be the representative of like all all like mario but like tanuki mario maybe it originated in super mario brothers 3 for the nes but like at this point it's pretty much everywhere yeah i mean it too is in um new super mario or uh super mario 3d world i don't think it's in new super mario brothers i i may have been wrong in that um but uh yeah it it i mean it's also kind of crazy that cat mario is in there um because like yeah it's super mario 3d world and we did rank it as the best mario power up of all time uh with uh, christian humes um check out that episode if you don't believe me um 
and but it's it's trapped in that game, right? Which is a Wii U exclusive at this point. At this point, but of course, like rumors point to it coming to Switch possibly later this year. Um, um, yeah, yeah. I was just gonna say that, like, I feel like the this Lego Super Mario thing. I still don't really know what to make of it. Like, even with these power packs, like you said, like the base thing is what, like, seventy bucks or something yeah. like that. Like, I, um, I know that Lego has like a very broad audience so it's not necessarily just for kids um but personally i just don't understand the appeal of this at like that price point yeah and i also like i I don't know why you wouldn't have um some of the power-ups and i guess it's because you can sell them um but why you wouldn't pack in the at least some of the power-ups with the starter set right that like uh you would be able to because otherwise you're just mario the whole i don't i don't know the the whole thing feels like um you're limiting the mario experience behind being able to buy like all these other sets um and like no matter what you're not going to have the satisfaction of making mario run and jump um because it's not a video game um so i don't know it feels like there are too many barriers to having a a complete mario experience then even that is going to be pretty limited do you remember Skatebird? Uh, it was in like one of the most recent Nindy showcases, and it's a uh, skateboarding game where you're like the things who are skateboarding are birds. They're like yeah, skating around on a... tech deck, basically. <laughs> yeah, tiny little bird skating around on a tiny little skateboard. It looks adorable. The game uh, has recently been delayed to 2021. Developer Glass Bottom Games made the announcement on their Kickstarter. They assured fans that everything is fine and the game is appropriately funded through launch. Um, but the post did mention that they are adding a full story mode, but that their productivity is down because, quote, because of, you know, everything outside right now. So un- understandable that this is yet another game that has been hit by COVID-19 related delays. Uh, yeah, it's it's cute. The, uh, the, the post doesn't really indicate that, like, um, they're... Uh, you know, restricted in any like physical way by um, the pandemic or by um, the sort of like shutdown of everything. Um, but that they're just like, yeah, it's, you know, everyone's productivity has been cut in half because no one knows, you know, how to manage their, you know, like it's it's very refreshing just to be like, I don't know, we're adding a story mode. It's going to take us a little while. <laughs> Speaking of skating games, uh, last, I think it was last week that Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2 like the remastered mm-hmm. or remakes were announced for other platforms, not coming to Switch at this point, which um, not coming to, to Switch to me was like a little bit of a bummer. But I think I might be an outlier in that I associate those games with the Nintendo 64 because like that's the platform I played them on. But I think most people probably played it on a PlayStation, so like it makes yeah. sense that it would come to PlayStation and not necessarily to the Switch. Did you at one point pitch uh, like Tony Hawk as a uh, possible character for Smash? I think I did. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay. Good. Okay. Good. <laughs> hey, we got some new NPD info. Um, talking about sales of video games in the United States for April and year to date, including uh, year to date dollar sales of the Nintendo Switch are the highest for any hardware platform in the U.S. ever. Um, this beats the Wii's record setting, uh, or the record that they set in 
April 2009. So basically what this is saying is that from like uh, January of a year through April of a year, um, previously the Wii had sold the most hardware by revenue ever, and now the Switch has beat the Wii to claim that title. Um, which, uh, awesome. Uh, it's a little bit of a weird window, right? Uh, the January one to, uh, April one, um, cause it's not the holiday season. Um, and it's not like the summertime. Um, and you can't really say that this was, uh, spurred on by Animal Crossing, right? Like c- c- probably in, in some part. Um, but that game didn't come out till the end of March, right? Like the 20th or something. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Like, I guess I don't know. I mean, the it's just the Switch is having kind of like an incredible year and yeah. it feels like the um, you know, all the stay-at-home orders and just like the pandemic in general has kind of uh boosted video game sales across the board. So it'll be interesting totally. to see like if supply can get worked out. Like actually what does this mean for like the Nintendo Switch, but also for the PlayStation 5 and, like, all that kind of stuff. Like, is it, uh, like, as people get back to th- their regular lives in the coming months, does this, like, demand for video games, like, dip? And, you know, so, like, d- does this totally mess with, like, demand yeah. cycle, basically? Like, it's, like, d- is this Christmas actually not, like, huge because a ton of people ended up buying in March? Like, I don't know. It'll just be interesting to see what kind of long-term effect um this sudden increase has yeah well because there's also you know something to suggest that gaming begets more gaming right that like um someone gets uh a a switch for animal crossing they play animal crossing and then after a couple weeks or a couple months they're like what else can this thing do um and you know obviously there are some huge heavy hitters that came out in the first year um splatoon 2 uh zelda mario odyssey um like great great games and then nintendo kind of had a baller year last year as far as game releases are concerned i know like we tend to kind of like gloss over it because they're all like um you know kind of like mid-tier games um that are just like good versions of the mid-tier games but like um marvel ultimate alliance 3 fire emblem uh three houses luigi's mansion Link's awakening uh like their uh, pokemon there there were a ton of games that uh came out last year uh, uh dragon quest 11 s echoes of an elusive age definitive edition games that may have like gone either like unnoticed or not unnoticed necessarily but not given the like proper mainstream due um just because not everyone in the world had a switch and i think that is kind of starting to change like um i've been getting text updates from matt acevedo because he's finally gotten around to playing uh dragon quest and i had bugged him for so long to like start playing and he is now and he loves it so like i mean i think that's going to be a regular story as people are going to start putting in these games from the last year um and realizing that they're great we also got to look at the um top 10 selling best-selling switch games for april 2020 um and the NPD just tracks like physical sales. This doesn't include any digital sales. No surprise, Animal Crossing New Horizons is number one. Probably the one that surprised me the most is uh Trials of Mana broke the top ten at uh number nine. Yeah. Yeah, that that is surprising. I, I wish we had like actual numbers for that. Um, because I would be interested to see like exactly how many um 
how many copies that represents. Um, it, it is cool that uh, like everything on this list is Nintendo, with the exception of Trials of Mana, which is of course Square Enix, and Just Dance 2020, which is Ubisoft. And then for the top ten best-selling games uh, year to date for 2020, uh, Animal Crossing: New Horizons is in second place, which is kind of nuts. Just like uh, just behind Call of Duty: Modern Warfare. Which, uh, again, it should be noted that uh, Nintendo is not, this does not include digital sales of, of Nintendo. That's physical sales of Animal Crossing versus all sales of Call of Duty Modern Warfare. And we know that uh, digital sales of Animal Crossing worldwide were like 50% of um, like sales. And so none of that is tracked here. And it's possible that that number is higher you know, in the U.S. than it is in other regions. Cause, yeah. So. Yeah, Animal Crossing doing insanely good. A behemoth, uh, also uh, in the top ten best-selling games uh, year to date. Uh, Animal or uh, Mario Kart Eight Deluxe is number ten. So yeah. like that's a another one hang, hanging strong. <laughs> that's nuts. That that game is just like cont- is just continues to be a juggernaut. It's a three-year-old game. <laughs> uh, it's like a remake, and it's even older than that. Yes. yes. In some respects. Um, in last week's issue of Famitsu, Xenoblade Chronicles director Tetsuya Takahashi explained why the future connected epilogue adventure was created for the definitive edition that releases Friday. Takahashi said, quote, it's because we felt bad for Malia. I'm only half joking when I say that. With Future Connected, we're able to draw in those who've already played Xenoblade Chronicles. Moreover, there's details there that connect to the future of Xenoblade. So we created it for two and a half reasons. Another rationale being we had an unused map from the main game, the Bionis shoulder, which was appropriate for the setting. So basically uh, that it wasn't something that came out of nowhere, right? That like they had some assets or like some areas um, and I don't know who or what Malia is, (laughs) um, but I'm looking forward to discovering what it is and why they would feel bad for her. I guess possibly spoilers for Xenoblade. We don't know. (laughs) Right. Um, But yeah, it's uh, it's interesting that like it feels like um, either unfinished business. It feels purposeful, right? It doesn't uh, it doesn't sound like they were like, oh, yeah, you know, we just wanted to add something extra and fun for the definitive edition. It seems like they had work to do. Totally. Especially when they're like, when he says there's details that connect to the future of Xenoblade. It's like, you know, it, it's no surprise that there's going to be some future to Xenoblade. Um, Xenoblade Chronicles 2 sold extremely well. Uh, they're obviously reintroducing the beginning of the series to fans. Um so the you know we know that uh, um man why am I blanking on this company's name I was gonna say Bioware but it's not it's uh, no, Monolith Soft it, there you go yeah uh you know so we know that Monolith Soft is working on at least one new game um so it, it'll be interesting to see like how this ties in or if they're gonna do like a bravely default thing where it's a different franchise next but then you know they'll get back to uh xenoblade eventually (laughs) oh the bravely series i just i just got momentarily mad that they have bravely default bravely second and then bravely default two (laughs) well i meant more than like octopath traveler kind of like broke up those releases (laughs) i'm still mad um also uh the future connected um kind of like 
I don't even know what you would call it, but like new content can be accessed at any time. You don't have to beat the game or anything um, in order to get there. And then Takahashi estimates that Future Connected will take between 10 and 12 hours to complete. But if you're doing everything in it, like all the side quests, then it could take as long as 20 hours. Um, also, which is learned- an enormous, it's an enormous amount of content. Right? It's a whole new like- game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I have, I understand that by Xenoblade Chronicles standards, it's not a whole new game. <laughs> but like, I mean, if that if it were a Resident Evil game, that's like three new Resident Evil games. And then also uh, planning for the remake goes back to the end of 2017. Uh, he says that development of the definitive edition was happening simultaneously with Torna, the Golden Country, which was like the DLC um uh, expansion that was released for uh xenoblade chronicles 2 but was also like kind of just its own standalone story yeah that you didn't need to have um the base game in order to play and uh not only was it being developed with the, uh torn of the golden country but also with a yet to be announced third project which um like you were saying it definitely feels like they're teeing up you know whatever's next yeah so if look i i'm i'm really hoping that this that this one hooks me because it seems like there is a first of all i know in any xenoblade game there's simply a lot there um but it seems like now there is a lot to experience uh beyond this game and that there will be more in the future like there is a lot of steam behind this uh and i'm just uh, i'm i'm interested to see if it'll uh, like catch on in a in a real way. Yeah, one of the things that I think will be interesting to see is because like it's a re like Xenoblade Chronicles is a Wii game, right? So this is a remaster, yeah. and they've obviously done some graphical work, but I I wonder what the limits of that are because you're talking about like an SD game that was released, you know, like there was um built for hardware that at this point is like so many generations old. I just wonder how it holds up to like modern standards yeah i mean and you know i i uh, i think there's probably something where like uh how much it holds up to modern standards versus how much the switch can handle in the first place um like i imagine that well i don't know i'm not i'm not gonna speculate i guess but like i've seen you know so many like comparison videos i mentioned this last week of uh the original graphics to the new ones and like all of the character models have been completely redone the art like so much so that the art style appears to be different well i i guess like um i brought up the art style and like having to take sd assets but i I mean even more just like gameplay wise like quality of life-wise you know like taking a game from two eras ago and how how will it hold up compared to like the modern i don't know like niceties um it'll be interesting to see uh during an interview with vgc platinum games's hideki kamiya was asked about the status of bayonetta 3 specifically whether or not the game had been canceled we you know the uh the game was announced back at uh the game awards in 2017 and you know like we have They've been asked about it and they've commented basically like, yeah, it's in the works in the past, but it has been a long stretch, um, you know, since we've heard anything about the game. So that has led to some loose speculation that maybe the game had been canceled. Yeah. Well, and especially like just knowing what we know about um, 
like I feel like Metroid Prime 4 gets put in the same box too, where it's like it's a, a game that was introduced with just a logo, um, is a, a new entry in a, a beloved series, um, and we know nothing about it. Um, and then like one day Nintendo's like, uh, we scrapped what we were doing and we're starting a whole new Metroid Prime 4. And so like just to not have even that kind of any sort of update on Bayonetta 3 has, you know, left people wondering. Yeah, I guess like on the one hand, I totally understand people wanting like more news and updates on it. Um, but also, you know, like in a world where nobody knew this Paper Mario Origami King game was even being made. Right. And then it was, it's being released in like eight weeks from its announcement. Like, uh, it, it doesn't shock me or really like, uh, you know, like, um, Fire Emblem, uh, Sharp FE, right. Or whatever it was called. Right. Tokyo, Tokyo Mirage, Mirage Sessions. Sessions. Yeah. Yeah. Like that was a game that was on Nintendo's, um, uh, when they when they would have their financial updates and on like their you know PDF they would have this like Fire Emblem cross uh, Shin Megami Tensei game that uh, was on there years and years and years and you never got any update and then one day they're just like here it is so it yeah. doesn't like totally shock me that we're not getting like blow by blow updates on what's happening with Bayonetta three but Kamiya wants us to know that it's coming um he assured the interviewer that the game was still very much in development and that fans should quote take any concerns you have like that and throw them out the window immediately defenestrate uh, your concerns <laughs> which is so perfectly hideki kamiya that like it, 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 it's it's a perfect quote the dude's always on brand <laughs> uh and then finally the results of the encore splatfest are in um, this was a reprise of the ketchup versus mayo matchup in Splatoon 2 from 2017, the very first Splatfest in Splatoon 2 history. This time, though, ketchup won two to one. Uh, pro wins and popularity were the points they scored. Three years ago, the terrible, terrible mayo freaks lost popularity but pulled out a win by taking the pro and normal categories. So it's great to see history write itself. It is great to see history write itself. Although the first time was a nice underdog story, like that the Mayo freaks were outnumbered, but still won anyway. Like, <laughs> I understand that's a pleasing narrative, but look, I believe in restorative justice. So <laughs> it is important to me. It's a pleasing narrative only if you imagine like the Mayo freaks as like Rudy or the kids from Little Giants or something, right? Uh, if you imagine Mayo as that? Right, yeah. Be like, from the first time. Because you were oh, saying, yes, oh, yes. right, it's, like, nice for the underdog story. And, like, I guess it is. But also, on the other hand, it's just, like, you know, like, the Patriots winning an yet another, you know, like, Super Bowl where you're just kind of like, yeah, okay, whatever. Yeah, some condiments and some football teams are just evil. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mark, let's get out of the news. That is going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Um, on Thursday, we are going to be uh, ranking the uh, uh, the Nintendo RPG characters um, that we boiled down from uh, all the series uh, last Thursday. If you would like to participate in that at all um, and have something to say about them, please email us at Society at, at gmail.com. Gmail and let us know, because I'm not going to say we're flying blind on some of these, but we could use your help. 
Um, <laughs> uh, or you can tweet at us at Nincart Society. We will see it there. Um, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Remember to rate, view, and sub- rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. If you like the episode, please share it wherever you share stuff. It helps us out a ton when you do. Um, on Twitter, I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MKE Mitchell, and the show is at Nincart Society. There's also a Facebook page, which is just Nintendo Cartridge Society. Olivia Duncan made our logo. Our theme music is provided by Apepetti. You can get more of his music by going to apepetti.com. Or by listening right now. For my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Ellers saying thank you for listening. is Will Hines, and I am a ghostwriter, meaning I write other people's books for them. And I have a podcast called I Will Write Your Book, which are recordings of my meetings with my eccentric clients, such as a woman blocked after one sentence of a children's book about her dogs, a romance novelist who dislikes sex, and a man proud of having sampled everything in his local grocery store. This podcast has been described as fully improvised, played by some of the best comedians on the planet Earth. Hey, that's pretty good. That's I Will Write Your Book on Campfire Media. Campfire.